Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Linode and Squarespace. I'm Simone de Rochefort. I'm a video producer at Polygon.com. And I'm here today with Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress and attendee of GDC 2019. All your friends are here, Simone. We're partying without you. I know. You missed I know. it all. Oh Chelsea's there. Plant is there. Cool stuff is happening. Apparently, there's a couch that's also a game controller because alt GDC, yep. alt control GDC is cool. But that's okay. <laughs> and also, who's not here is Christina, unfortunately, because she is on another work trip, which I, I think we talked about last week how she'd be gone. But yeah, she's somewhere either in Amsterdam or Dubai right now. Who knows? Who can so, say? I, we can probably say this on the show. Christina had a bit of a, a family emergency this week. So if you just want to send her some good thoughts on Twitter, this may not be the worst week to do that. It's, in fact, the best week to do it. The and, best uh, week. Let's get into it, though. Even without Christina, we have okay, to talk about Apple. Before we start the show, okay. I've got to, I need to hype you up, Simone. I, I like to think of myself as your career coach. Yeah. When you're thinking about how to be professional, I want to guide you as you're doing it. Oh, yeah. And, I need help with that. Right. Yes. Much help. There was a video clip that came out today of someone doing an Elizabeth Holmes <laughs> impression <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> which is, can you even describe this? Some of them? I, I, I can. Uh it, the person is actually Tavi Gevinson, who is a yep. young fashion blogger. She started a fashion yep. website like when she was 12 years old. So she's a, an expert, shall we say, in a look, a look constructing looks. <laughs> and what she yes. has constructed is a pitch perfect Elizabeth Holmes impression with bright red lipstick somewhat smeared over the face. It's uh, kind of Joker-like, I would say. Joker-like. You're, you're, you are a poet, Brie. Um, <laughs> black eyeliner, again, I would describe as sort of smeared round and round and round the <laughs> eyes. Frizzy blonde hair. This way. That way. Always. And a black turtleneck. And she is doing the most glorious, like, deep baritone voice, Elizabeth Holmes. Right, it's like, and I've I've been wearing turtlenecks since I was since seven, I was seven years, years old. old. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I can't great. do. You said that I could do it too, and I I would need to study so much more. I don't want to take anything I, I, away from this brilliant young woman who is going well, to win an Oscar for this short film. Okay, but don't take it from me, Rocket listeners. If you think Simone could do the most weird, glorious Elizabeth Holmes impression, like tell her. Because I believe in you. Yeah, I think you should believe in yourself. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I will work hard I, to yeah. best this literal teenager. <laughs> the, uh, the only thing I, I have to say is I think I think you would have a hard time pulling off. Like, you have to be plausibly blonde to yes. play Elizabeth Holmes. And I don't think you could be plausibly blonde blonde do you know what i mean yes and the other thing that she does really well in this is that i believe she never blinks throughout the entire video <laughs> it's truly cursed um there's a link to that in the show notes now and i i recommend that you watch it uh to give yourself a scare yes and a laugh <laughs> speaking of which i'm sure we'll be like all watching the hbo documentary on elizabeth holmes but first 
we got to talk about flipping Apple, who is pulling a non-Apple move and releasing hardware news every day of this week so far, this as of Wednesday, leading up to what will be their Monday, March 25th event. So of the things that have happened, two new iPads, an iMac refresh, a second generation of AirPods, a charging case, and Brianna. I would yes. like to go on the record and make a prediction. <laughs> I'm going, I'm will going, buy all this? I know. Yeah. I'm going to invoke the rocket rule and say that maybe because we are recording this show on Wednesday night, as usual, freaking air power. What, yep. It's going to happen either tomorrow or Friday. Finally. I don't believe it will, but tell listeners what you're talking about. Okay, so AirPower, of course, is the long-rumored, promised wireless charging solution that Apple, like, talked about a while ago, and then they're like, ha, 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 what if we don't update you on that and pretend that it never happened, but it's definitely going to happen someday, but maybe not soon, even though we keep having all these new devices that could really benefit from it. Um, For example, the AirPods, um, the second generation, of course, does uh, include, does support wireless charging, but not with a proprietary Apple wireless charging solution, but with the standard Qi wireless charging solution. Um, so they, they've they basically, after putting off having AirPower for years and years, have, you know, updated, refreshed the AirPods, n- not too soon at all, uh, with wireless charging that already exists. And everything else is still just kind of like the phones are still kind of waiting to get their own time in the sun with wireless charging. So maybe because you live in New York, you don't have this particular problem. But I mean, I can't be the only person that has an Apple case with like a metal plate in the back of it. So I can like magnetically clamp my phone on my dash when I'm driving my Boxster. Like, I'm, I'm not the only one that has that. And you know, because of this wireless charging is pointless for me. Because if my case is on my phone, it's got this giant plate blocking it mm-hmm. from charging. So because of that, I've just never used I mean, I've used this feature a time or two. It took longer. So it's not really something I'm excited about. And that's why, like Christina, when we were talking before the show, she was on Twitter, she's like, Oh, I think I'm gonna buy this, the new version of AirPods where you can spend like an additional $40 on a case that will wirelessly charge. And to that, I say, why? (laughs) I don't get it. I don't. Even by Christina's standards of wasting money, I I can't endorse Stabbed in the back. She's not here to defend herself. She's not here. She doesn't listen to the show. I think it's just that it's about, I, I feel like it is about catching up to something that feels like it, either is a standard or will certainly be a standard someday because cord hell is very real. And the idea of just being able to like put your device on a mat to charge it is like, Oh, this makes so much sense. It's something that's so simple um, and elegant in concept. And the idea that Apple like knows this have talked about how they're going to do it, want to do it, but then it's just kind of languished in what is for us on the outside, this tech mystery of like, well, we know they wanted to do this. What exactly is preventing them from bringing this product to market? I think there's both a a desire for the simplicity of it and then also a fascination with the mystery of why it has been so delayed. 
Well, I think we know the answer to that. I mean, isn't there a lot of speculation that because of the the different kinds of things it would have to charge that dissipating, you know, all that heat there? That's just a challenging engineering um you know, thing to try to get, okay, it can charge an iPhone, it can charge a, you know, your Apple watch, it can charge, you know, now AirPods. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just so many different things. I, I don't think it's a mystery. I think it's just a... I, th- I do think there's a lack of transparency, though. I mean, I don't want things to catch on fire, for sure. Yeah. Not <laughs> I gotta necessarily. Tell you, if you want transparency, Apple may not be the company, for Well, sure. there you go. So, <laughs> so, I have to ask, so do you have AirPods, Simone? No, I don't. Okay, so if I made a list of the things I'd want from AirPods 2 when they came out, an hour of extra charge time, talk Ah. time, would not be on that list. It would not be even close. Mm -hmm. Like, in my fantasies, I'd love, like, find my phone to work with, find my, uh, you know, AirPods, Mm -hmm. uh, so I wouldn't lose it. But um, how about, like, smarter touch controls that can maybe let you go, you know, up and down like volume with the tap on it. That would be there. Um, you know, better sound quality would be there. Um, you know, adding Hey Siri to it and adding a little bit better battery time. That's just not the upgrade I'm, I'm looking for. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? No, I, I think those are all really reasonable things. How, how do you think that they, with, with those uh, additions that you would like to see brought to the AirPods, how would that make them stack up with other Bluetooth headphones that you've used? Well, I mean, you know, I have, I mean, I, I, I own way too many pairs of Bluetooth headphones. I, AirPods are great because they're convenient. And I mean, the sound is average. The battery powers, uh, the battery life is poor. Uh, you know, the call quality is below average, I would say, but it's the pairing that just really makes it, it's super easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's, it's a good product. It's definitely one of the better products Apple made. And I think I'm not the only person that feels like it's one of the most innovative products Apple's put out in years, mm-hmm. which is why it's kind of disappointing that they're gen two add some stuff on it that just doesn't seem very interesting to me. From what I have read about it, as soon as they announced this, uh, the pro- both the charging case, which works with the original AirPods, and the new two- second-gen AirPods are back-ordered till April or something. Oh my God. So people are, people are really very hyped about this, unless there's an artificial shortage. I don't know. Um, so it does, it does seem I, like... I would guess it would be shortage, but yeah. it's just me. Regardless of, I mean, what they what the product could be, it does seem like the wireless charging case is in demand. <laughs> is it though? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, Simone, and admit that I have bought five pairs of AirPods because oh I lose them, or they've fallen in water, or um, and partially it's just because I'm a politician and I'm on the phone all darn day and you see a small child begging on the street corner and you give them your airpods (laughs) no honestly you know what it is is i kept going on trips and i found out i left them at home and i kept buying new pot new pairs of them at the airport okay yeah but i mean the bottom line is like um you know like they're very commoditized to me and i don't know i don't think they're like back ordered because of 
like they're that amazing. Mm-hmm. I think it's that the Apple iPhone does not have a headphone jack. If you want to listen to music or audiobook or YouTube, um, you've got to have something like this. And I think it's just like you got to buy them. Like it's, it's just as essential as an iPhone at this point. That's fair. Well, do you want to talk about the new iPads? I was really surprised with this. So, what are um, they doing? You know, gonna... They've got the f- four. Is it four or five iPads now? Yeah, it's it's five iPads, I believe. And every Rocket listener should know you can immediately turn off the show or leave it playing. Go to Amazon and get a 2018 iPad without uh, pencil support. For $250. That is a great deal. Oh my God. <laughs> you should seriously consider that right now. But the new iPads, the new iPad Air, and the new iPad Mini will support the pencil. So why it's not? the old pencil that sucks. Is it the old pencil, not the new pencil? Why? Yeah. Yeah. It's the last gen pencil, the one with the, the cap that you will lose within 0.1 seconds, <laughs> like the USB cap. Yeah. Excuse me. This is new information and new, horrible information for me. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing, like I've talked on the show about how much I love the iPad pro. It never leaves my purse and you know, it's got the magnet light, So it's just like a surface and clunk, it just connects right there on the end. Um, yeah, Simone, I, I love this design and that's why it's, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that they went with this cause you can just plop it in a USB port rather than, you know, add magnets and stuff to the iPad, but it's, it's disappointing because the new pencil is just so much better. That's such an odd thing. I mean, so what, nah. I'm confused about that, but carry on, Apple, yeah. I guess. Yeah, your own media company, by the way, has a, uh, you know, Verge has a great article on like, here's a confusing flowchart to which Apple Pencil you will need with your iPad. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's got every model and like explanation, like, because they're both called Apple Pencil. That is that's, horrible. That's not great naming. Yeah. And so I, I was reading a Mashable article earlier about this, which is just running down the new lineup which is ipad mini ipad ipad air ipad pro there are so many gosh darn ipads now what do you and comparing that to the simplicity of when there was just you know one ipad and that was the ipad you got like i understand having the ipad and the ipad pro because they seem like very different products what do you think about there now being such a such a large amount of ipads I think it's confusing, Simone. I think, like, even Christina and I, which are not normal people, I think we're looking at the iPad lineup and going, I'm confused. This doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So I think Apple could do better on that. Can we, uh, can we talk about the Mac super quickly? Oh, please so, do. I was, I, I have to call out Apple on this because I was reading on this before the show and I hadn't gotten a chance to, like, Look at the new iMac schematics. In the very first article, it pops up. It it just says very boldly, it's the first Google result. It's like, new iMacs twice as fast. And I'm like, whoa, who wrote this? Is it Ars Technica? No, it's Apple. It's the Apple newsroom. It's the <laughs> first article that comes up on that. If you dig into this, you find out that, no, the default iMacs are not using ninth generation Intel chips, you've got to pay a ton and get them custom ordered for that. 
Um, you know, this is basically the first iMac uh, really big product update in roughly two years. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for it. It's good. The integrated graphics look better. Uh, but, you know, the iMac, it's it's basically a Honda Accord, Simone. You know, it's a good yeah. product. It's not super sexy. Um, it gets the job done. And it's a tool that you will put on your desk and forget about it like a Honda Accord. You know, so. I think of it as a Toyota Tercel. Yeah, no. Your Toyota Tercel <laughs> has so much more personality. Oh, God. But, I mean, do you think that there is – it is still a refresh, no matter what Apple yeah. may say on their proprietary news no, blog? It's, absolutely. It's a solid It's a solid update. Um, of course, my recommendation to anyone on one of these updates is don't take the Apple press newsrooms like word for it. Wait for ours to tear it down. Look at the guts of it. See what the the, the upgrades really are. And we're just not going to know until that data comes out. But, you know, at the, at the face of it, like, it's hard to go wrong with, you know, two generations deeper of Intel chips and, yeah. you know, better priced RAM. Like, it's, it's a good upgrade. Mm-hmm. So coming into the event on Monday, I believe one of the things we know they'll they'll be focusing a lot on their subscription services, including their upcoming streaming service. So we'll probably next week be talking about what that streaming service finally looks like. And The Verge actually has a great post on that website uh, about all the shows that we know Apple has greenlit or bought so far. Um, I don't think we need to talk about that today, but what are you looking forward to from the Apple event next week, Bree? I want to see a multi-million dollar deal doing Detective Simone at Polygon. That's what I want Apple to announce. I can't promise anything, but I can <laughs> wink heavily but into you the microphone. confirm or deny that, I can neither right? confirm nor deny. I can only right. wink with one eye and then with okay. the other eye. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hey. Everyone. Do you have a product to tell me about? I do. I want to let you all know that this episode is brought to you by Linode. With <gasps> Linode, yes, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud. And you can get a server running in, guess what, seconds. Just seconds. With your choice of Linux distro resources and no location. Linode serve their customers with the help of 10 data centers around the globe, and they're about to add more. Yeah, Mumbai in India and Toronto, Canada will both have data centers before 2020, baby. Linode features native SSD storage and a 40 gigabit network and Intel E5 processors, which means you're able to serve your customers even faster than you did before. And you know you want to do that. And you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to stress about overspending because Linode have designed their pricing tiers to feature hourly billing with the added bonus of a monthly cap on all plans and add on services such as backups and node balancers. And guess what? Right now, Linode are actually hiring. So if you want to learn more and check out what they're looking for, you can go to linode.com slash careers. But if you're just interested in the servers, the wonderful servers, they have pricing options to suit just about everyone. Uh, Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for only $5 a month. And they also, yeah, isn't that nuts? 
They also offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. And they have a special offer for you, a rocket listeners. As a listener of this show, you can go to linode.com slash rocket and use the promo code rocket2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. On So on the one gigabyte of RAM plan, that is four free months of service. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, you literally have nothing to lose. So if you want to give them a try today, that is linode.com, L-I-N-O-D-E.com slash rocket. And the promo code is rocket2019, rocket2019. You can learn more there. You can sign up and make the most of that $20 credit by taking advantage of this service. Thank you so much, Linode, for your support of the show and all of Relay FM. My detective Simone fan site is going to need the 16 gig plan. For sure, mm-hmm. I'm just telling you right now. It's gonna have. It's gonna go be really fifty. Weird go fifty, detail. baby. Why? Why? Okay, I, yeah, yeah. Well, hold back. Simone deserves fifty gigs. I agree with that. Thank you. Thank you for saying so. <laughs> what have you been doing at GDC? Oh my god, I have so much news to tell no. you about the GDC. Before <laughs> we before we start, I just want to apologize for listeners. I've been yelling over parties all week at GDC. I'm a little bit uh, hoarse because of that. So, so please the news that you're me. sharing with us is all of the hottest gossip from these parties. <laughs> I can only assume. That's it. Okay. I'm going to tell you. you who's dating who. I'm going to tell you which ones are really bad to women behind the scenes. No, no, no. Aha, okay. Yikes. So I, I want to start by telling you, um, I want to tell you about a company and a game studio I truly love. And I, I saw their new game at GDC and I actually took, time to reach out to their PR team and talk to their devs. And I, I, I want to tell you all about this, Simone. So Night School is truly one of the most interesting indie game studios operating today. Um, and, and what they are is they are the Aaron Sorkin dialogue people of, of making indie games. And what I mean by that is do you know that like rat a tat tat fast paced like really like you know pointy banter that you have on like West Wing or Sports Night or a yes, show like I do. that? Like you've seen that, right? So they made an indie game studio that is one hundred percent about narrative, and these are the kinds of games that they put out um, on iPhone. They put out a game, uh, it was called Mr. Robot, and basically it was, uh, it was a narrative game based in basically text messaging. And you would be text messaging characters from Mr. Robot trying to retrieve this, this, lost, um, this lost file. It was extraordinary. Like, they completely captured the, the, the people on that show. And I went and played another one of their indie games. Uh, it was called Oxenfree. It's on iOS and Switch, and it's it's really good. It's uh, it's kind of a, a time travel mystery kind of game. But what makes it so interesting is it's just this punchy, hilarious, just really sharply written dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Night School Studio. And they have a new game coming out called After Party, which I am just so freaking psyched for. I cannot even tell you, Simone. So the idea is uh, it's basically with these two people that are very close friends. 
and they find themselves in, in hell after they've died and they're trying to escape hell. And it's this like really fun, like cartoonish, like very, very fun version of hell. And there's like a drinking mechanic while you're in it. But the real star of it is these, these friendships and these characters. And just it, it just sucks you right on in. Um, one of the things they've really upgraded in this version are the visuals. Um, like there's just a lot more depth of focus and better lighting. So um, this is a game coming out really soon. It's going to be on every single platform, iOS, Switch, you have PS4, Xbox. That's all what I want to hear, baby. So, yeah, especially Switch. Um, but yeah, really, really impressed with that. I'm looking at uh, pictures of this. It looks gorgeous. It has like this neon sort of 16-bit aesthetic. Yeah. That is very cool. Yeah, but it's the the dialogue and the humor of it. Um, it's just, you know, you're a writer, Simone. Like, the stuff, the best work ever done says something deeper about our humanity. And what I really love about um, Night School Studio is they create these characters, and it's not like, you know, an angry white dude, like, with a machine yeah. gun to go blow up some Nazis or whatever. It's like this really diverse, interesting group of people from different backgrounds. And you you come to deeply care about all of them. And I I just I, I think like, you know, we're gonna be talking about Assassin's Creed on the new Google platform later. And like we've talked about that game a lot, but it's not saying something grander about humanity. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think they do. And I, I just think it's very worth your time. I think I'm super excited for that. I think small games are the perfect venue to to do that kind of thing because they have so much more creative freedom yeah. than something yeah. like Assassin's Creed, which I love. Uh, yeah. So do you want to talk about the next thing, the Google console? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask. Uh, so, okay, this is probably the biggest news of the week that you will see if you Google GDC happening. Um, Google has announced their cloud-based gaming platform, which is something that has kind of been in the air, not just for Google, but for a lot of companies for a while now as game companies and um, console owners realize that subscription services are the thing or are something that can drive a lot of money and get them uh, get make stockholders happy over time. So Google's answer to cloud-based gaming is something called Stadia which is a gaming platform that will be accessible over the internet on uh, browsers, on mobile devices, on TVs, on computers, etc. What they are promising is that Stadia as a platform can stream games in 60 FPS with HDR and 4K resolution with future versions supporting 8K resolution. Uh, And they're powering this with Google's data centers, et cetera, and a lot of fiber optic cable. As a person who exists online, to me, this sounds incredibly optimistic, Brie. Yep. Well, I got a chance to play it. Um, and before we, we uh, get deep into the story, I just want our listeners to know, um, I did get a chance to play uh, play this console I was pretty disappointed that Google refused to answer any of my um, you know, any of my engineering questions about it. Uh, you know, I'm here at GDC. 
I've got a media pass, you know, um, I'm not asking obnoxious questions. I'm like, you know, is this like, is this roughly what we can expect, uh, mm-hmm. the, the latency to be, I was just really disappointed that they didn't want to answer anything on the record. Um, huh. and I think as consumers, you should know with the, the press coverage you're getting that, you know, they're, um, they're kind of being a little bit sketchy on some details, but I did get a chance to play it. Um, the game I got to play is one you and I have put at least two hours into Assassin's Creed Odyssey, yeah. Simone. Um, at least two? Yeah. Um, so at least two hours. It's not as good. Um, I want to be really clear about that. Um, if you've ever played games with, you know, say PlayStation now, which is their live stream service, um, you kind of know what to expect, kind of muddled colors. It just doesn't look as sharp and more than anything else. Um, it's a little bit laggy. Mm. That is absolutely still the situation here. Um, and I've played so much Assassin's Creed that this really felt like a huge downgrade to me. That said, um, it's certainly not unplayable. I, it's, it's miles from unplayable. And um, I can see this being a, a tenable gaming solution. Now, is this ever going to be anything like fast enough for fighting games or you know competitive first-person shooters? Like, no. If you're trying to play Battlefield on this, you're just going to die. Um, but as far as single-player experiences, like Assassin's Creed was playable. And it was playable on really low-end hardware. So I thought that was really cool. That's very cool. I mean, just thinking t- back to um, when, I believe in Japan, they had made Assassin's Creed streamable to the Switch, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. Uh, not in America, though. I mean, their Wi-Fi, their internet speeds are way better over there. But having that happen um, and just knowing that was possible made me really, really want that. Um, so I'm I'm excited for the potential future of this, but I also it's very hard for me to imagine a world in which, say, I am riding the subway to work and playing Assassin's Creed streaming on my phone or something, and it manages to work even while I'm underground, something like that. I I, I just I, I I wonder what how the infrastructure of the internet in America needs to change to make this viable for more people than just like have access to Google Fi or to some other like hard high speed connection. No, I think you're dead on there, Simone. And one of the things I found frustrating is in telling you the latency was usable, I can't tell you if they had a secret T1 line to the internet. I can't tell you if they like have a Google yeah. data center across the street. I can't tell you if this is just over the Wi-Fi the exhibitors get. Um, I can't tell you what kind of bandwidth they're going to need. I can't tell you how much of the game is downloaded locally. They hid all those details from 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 me as a member of you know the press here. So um, I think my answer to anyone out there would be like the demo I saw is tenable. It's definitely not as good as something you're going to play on PlayStation or Xbox One. Um, and there also aren't any original games that we saw unveiled. So um, personally, I'm not excited about this. 
Um, that said, you know, it's, it's more consumer choice is good. And if they can come out with, uh, you know, uh, a way to have these games delivered at a lower price point, uh, I'm excited about that. But the only real te- technical innovation I saw here is the color wasn't as washed out as it is on PlayStation now. Ah, yikes. Yeah, I do think it's very ambitious and I, I appreciate that, but I just have a lot of reservations. Is there anything else from GDC that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I want to tell you a couple more things. Um, a product I saw that I'm really, really excited about is um, someone has gotten, uh, basically they provided middleware. So if I want to go out and code my own NES game, Simone, I have to go learn assembly language. Have you ever taken an assembly Heck language class? No. Okay, it's terrible. It is terrible. You like it's hard enough to be an engineer and run for Congress, but if I had to do assembly all day and then run for Congress, I would <laughs> fail at it because it's just such a different part of your brain. People don't realize just how much skill NES programmers had like they were the OG and that was before, you know, like, um, you know, stack overflow existed. So what I'm really excited about is we saw some, uh, I saw a product there that basically it's middleware to allow you to develop, uh, NES games with a higher level scripting language. Uh, so that's, that's really exciting to me. It's not quite visual scripting. Like they, they sell this product, uh, which is, I'm looking at it right now, it's called yeah. uh, NES Maker. Uh, they sell this product with the promise, like, you're not going to have to learn to code. Well, that's horse duty. You will have to learn how to code some. There isn't like a visual scripter in there like Kismet or Blueprint. Uh, but that said, this is certainly a lot easier than programming assembly all day. Uh, it runs on x86, meaning Windows, 64-bit. You're going to need Visual Studio. But uh, I'm really hoping I can look at this and see if I can put out a Brianna Wu for Congress, like NES game. That would be, that would be hilarious. Would that not? That would be oh so you. But it would be that, like a good fundraising thing, too. That's so, really that's anyway. really cool. That's, that's a very fun tool, it sounds like. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, so a couple of other things I saw that were really interesting. There's a woman developer friend of mine. Uh, her name is Ren, and she has a game coming out called Unpacked from uh, Witchbeam Studio. And I have to tell you, um, are you are you kind of OCD at all, Simone? Like, are you messy? Or are you neat? How where do you fall? Extremely neat, but I don't think it's in a, a an OCD related way. One of the reasons I learned vector artwork is because I am obsessed with like neatness and and having everything in its place and doing it all perfectly. And she has a game that completely like taps into that part of your brain. It's called Unpacked. So the idea is it's got all of this gorgeous, perfect pixel artwork of a kitchen. And so you have like seven boxes of stuff to unpack into your kitchen. Yes. yes, It's like SNES artwork. It's like, okay, I've got all these glasses. Where do I put these all? So they, they pack here and, and everything goes everywhere. And for me, I'm sitting there and it's like just Zen because I'm finding the perfect place to unpack all of these things and make my SNES kitchen look great. This reminds me 
of one of the mini games in the mobile game Florence that came out last year. Uh, oh, I've never played our, that. Yeah. It's on our, uh, I think it was our number two game of the year for Polygon or number three or something like that. But um, there's a sequence where Florence's boyfriend is moving into her house and you have to go through and like you have her stuff on the shelves and his stuff in a box and you kind of have to make room for everyone's stuff except, you know, so- someone's stuff has to get kept in the box because there's not room for everything. And it's, it's really, it was a very feelingy sequence of that game um and it's also it's great it's just wonderful but this sounds like that and i love the idea of a whole game based on that well it's uh as you unpack things it's like you're going through someone's life with them so you know you unpack when they're going to college you unpack with their first job and you get little bits of narration along with that so that's great um, yeah i'm really excited about it ren is a very good person um and i just you know, it's it's always nice to support like genuinely good games from good people. So uh, this is very much on um, on my list. The last thing I'll mention, and we'll have a part two probably on next week's show. But the last thing I'll mention is this: so Simona, going around the GDC floor, uh, what for you to imagine? Like, have you ever seen Iron Eagle from the eighties? Like the the flight simulator, like this giant thing he climbs into. Yes. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I think I do. Yeah. Okay. So they have that. They have this giant contraption that you can buy right now for your home, what? and it's got like screens all around it. It's got like a clutch pedal and an accelerator and all of that to like simulate driving a car fast. And you climb into it. It's got the clutch pedal. And like, if you ramp up something, you'll ramp up and the entire, your seat will lean back. Oh no. And then you'll hit the ground and everything will be shaking and all of that. It works with Forza and all these other things. And I'm like, yeah, I asked the guy, I'm like, how much is this? He's like (gasps) $5,500. And then I'm going, okay, that's something I'm interested in buying. But I have a Porsche to do this exact same thing <laughs> in real life. So Okay, but Bree, I mean, think I this through. Yeah, Why right. are you being logical about this? You live in Boston and sometimes yes. it's snowy. That's true. And you can't drive your Porsche. That's true. What do you do? That's true. What do you do in that scenario? I, you drive your Porsche through the snow. I don't think that that's possible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was, it's a fun piece of tech. I'm not sold that it's going to work on everything else, but it was certainly interesting to look at. I don't want to talk you into making foolish tech purchases, <laughs> but yes. I bet I could talk yeah, Christina we'll, into buying this. We'll get this. Christina into buying this, and then I'll go visit her. So, it's going to um, be like, sure, I live uh, in a Cap Hill apartment. I don't drive, but you know what? <laughs> Grant's Twitter handle is Grant Loves Cars. So I can't wait to hang out with Grant. And then I'm going to talk about Porsches with him all day. That'd be great. Well, can I talk to you about Squarespace? I love Squarespace. Did you know that you can make your next move with Squarespace? I've never heard that. Did you know that Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more? DetectiveSimone.com? You stop your nonsense, Brianna <laughs> Wu. Let me tell you some things that you can make. You can make an online store to sell your Detective Simone merchandise. You could create a portfolio to showcase the best photos that you have drawn of Detective Simone. 
you could create a blog to uh, to write about to, to petition the studios with a post every day about how they should be making the Detective Simone film. Why isn't it already in pre-production? Nobody really knows. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do all of those things at once. And there's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, and no upgrades needed. I mean, Detective Simone as a concept is about as upgraded as anything could be. Uh, Squarespace has all that covered. They also have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help along the way. Uh, I should let you know the Squarespace support can't tell you why there isn't already a Detective Simone game or film in the works. That's the only <laughs> thing that they they cannot answer, and they are tired of you asking. They can tell you anything you need to know about Squarespace as a platform, but they can't tell you about Detective Simone and it, it, its casting progress in Hollywood. They do let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, and you can get all of those award-winning templates that are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas, like Detective Simone. I've been th- I actually have been thinking a lot this week as I was on my airplane trips. I have I have Rochefort.com and I haven't done anything. I don't I really want to make a website. I I need a website, a personal website. And I don't know why I haven't made one yet. I'm a fool. You know what it should be? It should be like SimoneDeRochefort.com, but it should be evil Simone. Like it should be it should be like you like <laughs> like you should have a goatee and you should an eye patch and then it should just be like terrible, awful thing. Okay, but what if it's like a beautiful website with like full page of uh, uh, like carousel of my polygon videos, right. but then there's one like very well hidden button where you click it and it takes you to a splash landing page and that's where evil Simone is. I like it. And music like just starts it. playing probably organ music. It's fan of the opera. I don't know. Squarespace uh, plans more banjo. You're banjo. Banjo, banjo yeah. Music. Fan of the opera but played on the banjo. <laughs> yeah. I think that way I could get around licensing the music, right? Yeah. That's if it's on a banjo, it, it's free. All banjo music is free. But Squarespace plans yeah. start at just $12 a month. And you can start a trial with no credit card required at all by going to squarespace.com slash rocket. And then when you decide to sign up, you use that offer code rocket to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain and to show your support for us here at Rocket. So once again, that is squarespace.com slash rocket and the offer code rocket to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you again, Squarespace, for your support of Rocket and Relay FM. I, I have a title. Tell me. Detective Simone and the Mystery of the Banjo Royalties. Wow. Are you suggesting that for this episode? No, that's the film title, like for the film version of the Apple TV series, Detective Simone. Oh, that yeah. Should, it's got to have a Nancy Drew subtitle after all of them. Okay, so here's the problem with that is that Apple has said that their TV shows have no swearing or nudity. <laughs> and as you all know, I'm always swearing and always naked. Yep. Well, you know, you just have the little, like, you know, pixelated uh, cutouts there. And we'll just take you to church until you no, get some Jesus. It's, it's actually so every time I walk on screen, there's just some piece of furniture conveniently covering me, <laughs> top and bottom. Yeah, yeah. 
what are you doing, Detective Simone? Well, I'm just unpacking these pineapples from my kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Standing behind this couch and unpacking these pineapples. (laughs) As you do. Lord. Speaking of shows, Netflix. I want to make this quick because we don't really know what's going on, but um, Netflix has been in the news a lot this week because they finally canceled the like long suffering one day at a time, which is both a beloved sitcom about a Cuban American family living in Florida and also has been on the chopping block for like as long as I can remember at Netflix. I, it, it ran four seasons, but every season it was like a, Get one day at a time renewed. Please, everyone, watch it, watch it, watch it. They're threatening to cancel it again. Um, And it it managed to keep going and keep going up until this month when Netflix uh, did give it the axe, um, which has ignited a lot of conversation about how Netflix determines these things. Because they have, they came out on Twitter after there was just a lot of upcry from people who love this show and were upset to see it going away. Um, and were also criticizing Netflix for basically canceling a show that has featured uh, Latinx representation and also gay representation throughout its run. They they feel that Netflix canceling it is kind of a slap in the face after Netflix talks up of its diverse offerings on its network. Netflix has said that the show wasn't getting the viewership that would that would allow them to keep making the show. And what we're left with is a situation where we've never seen Netflix viewership numbers except for the one time that they said that Bird Box did really really well and got like 80 million viewers. Other than that, there's nothing really to judge the success of a Netflix show on except how much people are talking about it online and what Netflix themselves decides to offer and all of the data that they offer about their shows is pretty it, it, it is it is serving Netflix basically yeah. well yeah I think it's worth also pointing out this is I mean it's a much bigger pattern with Netflix uh yeah they killed they killed Iron Fist. They killed uh, Luke Cage. They I killed would my actually, favorite show. I would push back yeah. against that because I because Disney is starting Disney Plus. I think Netflix is getting rid of the Disney show. The Marvel shows is part of a a tug of war with Disney. To be honest. Well, okay, that's fine. But all I really care about is I love Jessica Jones, and that's gone. And, yeah. yeah, there's certainly been a bigger pattern of them you know, canceling a lot of their shows out mm-hmm. of just nowhere. Um, so, uh, you know, it's it's very disconcerting because, as you say, there's just absolutely no transparency there. It's bizarre, um, too, because you remember yeah. a time not so long ago when Netflix had never canceled anything. And we were all wondering, like, when are they, they can't possibly keep just adding shows and adding shows. When are they finally going to pull the plug on something? I think it was... Since eight, that was the first one that got the axe from them. If I'm, I'm, I might be misremembering that, but I feel like it, no, it was. No, you're dead on. Like by the Wachowskis, it yeah. now has one of the only 
you know, transgender characters on TV that I can think of, you know, mm-hmm. like a part of certainly a very small number of them. So, you know, that's gone. I mean, Jessica Jones, we've sung the praises of this show on Rocket many a time, but this is like Captain Marvel came out. And I mean, I'm not going to tell you it's the greatest superhero movie ever made uh, because it's I mean, it's good. It's, It's good. It's above average, but it's not Jessica Jones. Like Jessica Jones is groundbreaking. And it hurts me to see that show gone. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, ultimately, it, it feels, and I'd love to know how you feel about this, but it feels like Netflix makes a ton of just weird bets. Like the the in-betweeners with uh, Jeannie McCurdy from Nickelodeon, like she does this horror <laughs> series about a town where everyone over 30 dies and, you know, it gets a couple of seasons and you never hear from it again or the bodyguard like it just it seems like it seems like netflix makes all these little bitty bets and doesn't really work to boost viewership like there are big marketing campaigns do you know what i mean yeah i mean i think looking at how much the, the sheer amount of stuff that's on netflix I feel like what we when we got upset about things being canceled, um, we're personally getting upset about the things that we like being canceled. Um, And part of that, I'm sure there are shows on Netflix that have been canceled that I haven't even heard of because there's just so much out there. And I think they're what this backlash this public backlash against them is happening because there is no transparency. And also they have kind of kicked or shot themselves in the foot by offering so much to so many people and maybe what we're seeing is just a lack of success in getting the content that people would like in front of them on a platform that has a frankly terrible search function you know it's hard to find the new things that you want to watch except by word of mouth online um, which is where i heard about one day at a time in the first place Speaking to, I guess, the cancellation of Sense8 and the Marvel shows, when I'm thinking about what it must cost to make those shows, and I'm not, I obviously have no intimate knowledge of TV production, but when I'm looking at something like Sense8 versus something like One Day at a Time, which is a two or three camera sitcom with just a couple sets, that to me seems like a much less expensive show than something like sense eight, which is shot all over the world and has a ton of actors and also, you know, various special effects like the Marvel shows have it to me. I I would assume that something like one day at a time would be easily financed just because it, it, it's such a, an easily reproducible format. Yeah. Um, well, I do want to say, like, I mean, I've watched every one of the Marvel shows except Daredevil, which I just can't stand, like, multiple times. And, I mean, you you watch it, and it's a lot more of, like, people sitting in an apartment talking yeah, <laughs> than yeah. it is, like, special effects fights. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I, actually, I my guess would be that, of course, like, Jessica Jones is higher budget than, you know, something like one day at a time. But 
I think there's like a, a pretty limited range that these shows can be in, right? Well, like, have you seen um have you seen Altered Carbon? I have. That's expensive. That's that very show. expensive. Oh my god. Yeah. Altered Carbon, yeah. for those of you who aren't familiar, is a sci-fi Netflix show that has some of frankly the best special effects that I have seen. Um, you would not look at it and think this is a, a Netflix show or something like yeah. that. Like it, it looks like a big budget action movie um absolutely yeah, i, I don't, can't speak to the plot of the show but it looks really pretty um so like that they have such a variety of things that they're offering i don't know i don't know I, like we, i don't think we can say anything for sure about like netflix has secret evil desires to cancel shows featuring people of color but we can say that there is definitely a lack of transparency behind what they're doing and that it is going to bite them in the ass. I mean, if I if I said, Simone, you can only keep one of the streaming services right now. Like, what would you what would you keep? Oh, God. <sighs> I know it's hard. <laughs> I think it would be Netflix and I would miss HBO Go a lot, but I think it would be Netflix that I would keep. I mean, all of my very favorite shows are on Showtime. Um, like Homeland, that's just my show. I, I freaking love that show more than I can say. Billions is unbelievably good. And have you have you watched any of Black Friday? Have no. you heard of this? Nope. So it, it stars Don Cheadle, and it's basically like a, a black investment firm in the eighties that ends up like the story is how they created black Monday and crashed the entire economy <gasps> in the eighties. And it is like, is hilarious. And like, he's driving a Lamborghini limbo limo. And it's just, is so over the top. So it's like all of my personal favorite shows are on showtime, but I think with like the broadest range of quality programming, you really can't argue with Netflix, right? Like mm-hmm. they've just got the best stuff. So I think that's why I have to go with that mistress world. We're yeah. trapped. We are. Well, Brie, what are you doing with the rest of your week? Uh, I'm praying that my voice heals in time tomorrow for my campaign party. Oh no. Uh, yes. Um, I'm hanging back from GDC. Um, we are, fundraising and I'm doing media. So same stuff as usual. Yeah. Well, I just got back from LA today. Ha ha ha. Can you say why you were there? No, not yet. Um, I'll just be suffering for the rest of the week. Also, I ate a salad that I maybe shouldn't have eaten. (laughs) Um, so I'll just update everyone, you know, as the hours go by on how I feel about eating that salad. Salad. Yeah. Oh, it was a mistake. I'm sure I'll be fine. I googled, can food poisoning kill you? And I don't think that it can. Okay. What? I don't understand. Like, was the lettuce, like, did it have, like, was it lettuce-y? Like, what's going on it was more like I bought the salad in the airport in LA, and then I ate it when I got home. No. That's a bad idea. Oh, God. It had chicken in it. Okay. Airport salad is never good. It cost $15. (laughs) I literally bought a burger for $8, 
and a yeah. freaking kale and chicken salad for 15 American dollars well, in so an airport. They have to risk the, it's, if it's going to kill you, they have to charge enough to pay the lawyer to adjudicate your death after That's the true. fact. So, of course, they've got to charge you more. Oh, man. Well, you know, I'll let y'all know. As a food scientist, I take this very seriously. Bree, where can we find you online? You can find me by going to uh, developer Brianna Wu on Facebook and going to Brianna Wu on Twitter. All right. You can find me on Twitter uh, at doomquasar and at youtube.com slash polygon where the videos live. You can find Christina on Twitter at film underscore girl and on Instagram and everywhere as well. Again, she's either in Amsterdam or Dubai. We don't know where. She'll be posting beautiful <laughs> photos and hotel videos, though. Um, and if you like this show, you should review it on Apple Podcasts because that's something that really helps us out. It helps us find new listeners and uh, helps us keep going in this crazy world. Uh, and you can also tell your friends about it because that's another wonderful way to find new listeners that are approved cool because you like them because they're your friends. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And this episode of Rocket is terminated. Terminated. <laughs>